0: About to enter a world
1: of pain, suffering and laughter.
0: Worst gig. Ever, 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 ever. In, right In right field, field. Mookish, Mookish, Mookish Clemente. 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 And you know, when Mookish Clemente comes up to bat, he's going to hit one out of the park. Worst gig ever, park that is. <laughs> we sponsor Mookish Clemente. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I am Mike Pace. I'm Jeff Garlock. And you know, this is the show where you hear tales... Terrible tour tales from musicians, comedians, and comedians. All of the the garbage that they go through as opposed to the heights that they could go through. I would say including Butch Vig and the rest of Garbage, who we hope to have on the podcast sometime soon. Uh, Oh, God. Let's keep our (laughs) fingers crossed for that. That's a musical in-joke for you guys today. (laughs) Our guest... He's definitely not a musical in-joke. He's a musician. He is a record label owner. His name is Jeremy Devine. He yes. runs the Temporary Residence Limited record label. He has done his time in some bands like uh, Sana.
2: Yes. Or uh, Sona. And then, he has, and then he has put out many bands that people may know, like Explosions in the Sky, Turing Colise- Machine, Colosseum, Envy. Envy. If you're
0: into kind of a uh, post-hardcore thing, but there's
2: a thinking man's, or woman's, you want to check out this output. Uh, yes. But he's got some great stories. he got some great stories about touring in Europe. Being tour
0: manager for people, uh, being tormented, tormented by. as a tour manager on tour. Jeremy shares some great stories. If you're into the road tales that we that we tell on this he's show, he's a great storyteller. He is. He, he has also he has a very soothing voice. I loved hearing his voice, sort of like mookish mookish, mookish. mookish. lament. <laughs> just very just soothing very, very so-, so yeah so check out this
2: episode as you are right now but also you know what you should do after you listen to this one
0: go check out our old episodes Where can we find those? You can find them at worstgigeverpodcast.tumblr.com They're on iTunes. They're on Stitcher Radio. You can find us on Facebook. You can do all that great stuff. You can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Mikey Pace. I am
2: at G Garlock. And you know what? You can also send us an email. Send us an email over at worstgigever at gmail.com If you have any suggestions for guests that you'd like to see. If you have any great stories of your own. We'll try to get there. I was just thinking about how so it's just a Tony Brummel to someone else from Victory. And
0: there we go. We're Look, not going to do that. There's there's a lot of greatness out there in the world. I have to say, there's a lot of greatness right here. <laughs> Jeremy Divine on worst gig gig gig, gig, gig ever ever Mukesh Clemente. Clement. Hey, 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 hey. Clement. hey.
1: would classify as worst gig ever, literally a gig. Uh, music. John Fine is trying to get me to not tell you. John Fine from, from Bitmag, Bitch 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 friend of the show, friend of the show. <laughs> who I think was on this show. Yeah, he has been on yeah. the show. Before. Uh, so John Fine is now writing a book, right, uh, for Penguin Press that. I think he actually mentioned it on the, yeah. like he mentioned in passing that okay. it was happening. Check yeah. out
0: that previous episode too, uh, to, uh, <laughs> great about advertisement. The book. If you keep he's, listening to it, he'll always be talking about writing the book. <laughs> It'll
1: never <come> out. <laughs> He, uh, he's writing a book about, I, I, I'm not sure if it's, it's, I don't think it's a memoir. I think it's more like, uh, sort of a compendium of mm-hmm. various artists' mm-hmm. experiences touring mm-hmm. or how touring is not what it's cracked up to be or you know i think it's sort of the whether it was intentionally or or not i think it might deflate the myth right of touring as being this awesome you know dream job right experience that only the coolest people can have right laying the world now it's the
2: garbage dump that it is exactly
1: and and he interviewed me for that book. Uh-huh. And <laughs> there's a there was a bunch of stories that I told him. And I think the one that's going to make it into the book is th- this tour that I did with Sex, which is C-E-X, uh-huh. who is like a, uh, well, at the time he was more into hip-hop, but it's like a underground electronic mm. artist from Baltimore. And I lived in Baltimore for years. And we used to put out his, ra- I run a label called Temporary Residence, and we put out his records in the, early 2000s Mm. so he was doing this european tour there was just going to be him me and a dj whose name i can't recall at all and i was moving to portland when he was setting up this tour so i was like well you're in baltimore i'm in portland we'll figure out like a dj that's out in portland Mm -hmm. and then we'll just converge and, and go to europe so we do this tour the first show is nottingham england <clears throat> which is i think roughly eight hours north of london mm-hmm. so we fly into london either we fly flying to london or fly to amsterdam but we we get in we get the driver the van the whole bit go up to nottingham the first night we do this show and it's a, a success there's probably a hundred people there mm-hmm. and this really nice kid comes up and is like hey you know like i'm a big fan we have a place to crash if you if you're looking because we were on the cheap. Big right time. of course. Yeah, and so I was like, yeah, that that sounds awesome, you know. And he was like, you know, we uh, we can feed you or whatever you want to do. And I was like, this is an amazing start. And Ryan, <laughs>
0: British hospitality, right? Yeah. And
1: and you know how shit it is to tour in England. Yes. And we started the tour. Oh, well, we did in England. three weeks there. Yeah. yeah. Well, terrible. that's just ridiculous. I know. That's everyone's. But, yeah. it's played, the worst They idea ever. played
0: every Hamlet and Glen <laughs> in really the British did. Isles.
1: <laughs> that three weeks is brutal. That, it was that stupid. Is, it was the stupidest the tour Panthers ever, ever did and maybe any
0: As a tangent, Oxtra Collapse also did a three-week tour, opening for We Are Scientists most oh, of the, most of the time. So that was great. But um, we getting paid... Yeah. $100 right. U.S. We were asking on stage in front of 3,000 people, Yeah, of does course. anyone have a place we can <laughs> right. crash tonight? And a sea of hands would go up in the front of these like 16-year-old yeah. kids, and we got a place to stay every night. Every ah. night.
1: The only, the only thing about touring the U.K., we didn't know either way. Mm-hmm. Like We had no idea of the disparity between the U.K. and Europe. Right. Sure. The only... Saving Grace was that we did the UK first, right? And mm-hmm. so it made the rest of the tour seem like, like Xanadu and like magic we, we have you know? we've
0: talked about it many times. Where Europe, yeah. your, your accommodations are taken care of. There's always like some great food spread, uh, and they're very gracious Dinner, and gracious. Yeah.
2: yeah, they're excited there. You get to the
1: UK, they treat you like the pizza guy. Yes, My like so, they're
0: almost angry. Your play yeah. it feels like so, they won't even give so you directions A uh, a fan. Yeah. So this. So home.
1: this. Yeah. So this kid is you know really nice i remember very little of that interaction because it was really quick and uh so i'm like okay cool we're set up and then ryan which is Mm sex comes up and is like hey man so there's these two girls who uh you know like said we could crash at their place that would be awesome and i was like uh you know it's your call i mean it's it's really your tour like sure whatever you want to do i understood the motive right his so, name is Sex, after all. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, so, it's right right there. There. yeah. So, we, of course, ditch the very kind offer from <laughs> the, the kid who looked like, you know, he had the best intentions and there right. was nothing dangerous that right. could come from it. Sure. For these two women who were probably like maybe early 20s, looked like candy ravers. Uh huh. Um, so, we go to their house and Ryan. Uh, You know, by that point, I think, um, might've, I'm not sure if he was drunk yet or not. It's, it's hard, but we get to the, their place and (laughs) Ryan gets out of the van and just goes straight to the room, you know, like straight to their apartment (laughs) and hang out do, you know, whatever. So the next morning Uh when we leave the apartment, I get up early and I go out to like start packing my stuff into the van. The door is ajar. Uh, in the back of the van. Mm. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. Yep. I just <laughs> went through this like a year prior. And I was uh-huh. like, I already know right, what, what this means. Who was it with the year prior? Fridge. Oh, okay. Uh, who were from England right. coming to the States. Uh. Day one of our tour, we got robbed. So, uh, in East Arlington, Massachusetts. It's fucking. <laughs> I'm
2: always scared about East Arlington. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, so... I look at, I open up the van and I'm like, yeah, there's, right. there's a lot gone right. from here. So this is day one. This is the first show of like 22 shows, 23 shows. They took all the merch. Who every, needs merch? Everything. <laughs> they took all the shirts the CDs, uh-huh. the whole bit. Jesus. And they took Ryan's suitcase, his luggage, which he left in the van from the night before because he just oh, went right upstairs. Course. Yeah. Did not unload. Did not unload. So they took his luggage. And his shoes, which he didn't put on when he got out of the, the van to go up.
0: Insult. <laughs> they had insult to injury, the shoes. Just to make sure he's a hobo.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> get
0: rid
2: of
1: those shoes. And so we're, we're just like, Jordans, <laughs> oh my God, like, what are we supposed to do? What are right. we supposed to do? It's like, clearly, of the three of us, Ryan. Got the worst end of it, sure. This, you know, by all accounts, but he
0: got laid. So. yeah, <laughs> I mean, you and, know,
1: <laughs> yeah, so
0: depends on how you look at <laughs> yeah, it. Mean, half full, this half is, empty. This is
1: the ultimate goal, anyway. Well, fair enough. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't get laid, <laughs> sure, but I did have my passport. Oh, which dude. Ryan now didn't, right. right? So, we couldn't get off the island Ugh. to go into Europe, right. which was going to be our Xanadu, <laughs> right. Of course, so. Right. <laughs> We, this is show one, Nottingham, eight hours north of London, where the only U.S. consulate is. Uh-huh. So we have to go back eight hours south to London, to the U.S. consulate, sit for eight hours with Ryan, who's barefoot right. in the U.S. consulate. Hey Amen.
0: Yeah. I just to stay. <laughs> <Exactly>. Didn't even <laughs> to, have the dignity to give him a pair of shoes. Not like, at all. The girls all. just left him yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. sorry, Mike. Got a candy rave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to uh, left him. To get a, a temporary passport. Ugh. And we were like, this is, and this is 2002, 2003, it's like, right. just after 9-11.
2: It takes a while. We lost ours on the three-week tour, and it's, you know, or Jay did. It because is. Because he was showing his crazy photo to a lot of girls, and then out of nowhere, it was gone, and it was like, well, guess that's what we're doing today. Right.
0: But well, let me ask you this, was it beca- was was the neighborhood you were staying in, like, kind
1: of ramshackle? No, no, not at all. Just but the-, the thing is, this is like the, as if the irony could get more delicious, is the kid, the nice kid, the night before, mm-hmm. had told me, you know, be careful on like our way out. And he's like, be careful, you know, Nottingham's a little bit, a little bit dodgy, right? And I was like, you know, the next day, yeah, you're thinking as if it, as if the karma could not have oh, been. A, that's I, even, the
2: beauty of the UK too. If they tell you a city's dodgy, it is genuinely like, yeah, it's like Manchester. They were just like, watch out, yeah, like your your van's gonna get broken into. But there's, that night.
0: there's also that I've been in that situation too. Where you have two offers of places to stay, and you weigh. Yeah, well, and it's not necessarily you go with the girls, but it's like do you go with the the obese, like fifty year old man right. who was at this show who was offering you his basement?
1: Right, we've done or, that like, the too. fridge, fridge did that in Atlanta. Oh, really? The guy, yeah, a <laughs> guy who just came up, and I was like, "You're too old to right. be here." Right. <laughs> yes. I mean, I hate to be ageist. Like, right. And I learned, you know, I was also 22 or whatever, 23 sure. at the time. I You learn better as you get older and become the creepy old guy at yeah, the show. Right. But at the time, it was just like, nothing is right about this. Like right. there's this guy, it's like, the, it's not just the age. It's like, of course the way he talks exactly. and, ev- you know, a, it's like everything.
0: Now with this, the, the sex story, yeah. um, how long did it take to get back on track to like get to the mainland?
1: To well, get so merch back? yeah. And and this is maybe the, the part that John wishes that I wouldn't reveal. Uh. <laughs> so that his, but I'm sure he's going to have much better stories by much more famous people. in the <laughs> book. Uh, so Ryan decides that it, as some sort of weird sort of social protest that he's not going to bathe for the rest of the tour. That was a good idea. Because I, I think it's psychologically like really messed him up. <laughs> right. Like the whole thing really sure. messed him up. And
2: Cause, yeah, because it's like, well, what does the protest do exactly? It's right. Well,
1: society no, in general. No, I th- and <laughs> yeah. I think it's weird because at the time. Right. When you look at it at face value, you're just like, this is so stupid. Right. And what are you doing? Like, <laughs> right. this is just gross. <laughs> right. And then as you get older and you encounter some sort of weird situation of your own, or yeah. you go through some sort of like mental lapse, there's at least sort of sort of a a camaraderie to it. Right. In a way, as I got older, I was like, you know what? I think he just snapped. He had like, some sort I of think, PTSD. A little yeah. Bit. Like, like I think, like, the, I think the whole thing just messed him up yeah. where he was like, I already felt an enormous sense of responsibility. Right. On this tour, bringing these people along who are all basically like it lives or dies by me. Right. Every night. And this happens. Right. And I have no idea what to do. Right. And so he, he freaks. Yeah. And so he doesn't shower. For the rest of the tour, this is the first night. So we have twenty three oh, shows. Yeah. So, long. so he played. He never bathed again for the whole tour, and eventually smelled like like a reanimated corpse. Right. You know, like <laughs> right. like he it and it was it was like a bo thing. It was he never smelled like he had shit himself or anything like that. It just smelled like, man. Which would
0: have actually probably been preferable at this point. (laughs) (laughs) At least it was a
1: definable smell. Yes. Like, this was just sort of a general, like, man, we're all in a van together. Right. And this... Is happening. It's kind of that vague crust punk smell. Yes. I was just kind of like, yes.
2: it's just a funk but coming you, off you, of the yeah. you know what? It
1: smelled like chick, chick, chick. Yes.
0: you know, we had Nick Offer in here. Yeah, we did yeah. have Nick Offer. Uh, <laughs> 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 speaking of funk. Uh, <laughs> what was
2: his nickname? Nick uh, a tour? Know. Was it
0: just crusty or smelly? I, it, was,
2: it might have been something like that. Like he he was was and I was out. like, yeah,
0: well, I could see it. But, you know, on like when Oxer Collapse was touring, we. We also always do it on the cheap. Even in Europe, we would we would drive ourselves yeah. around. Yeah. And I managed to shower every, essentially every day. If there was a shower in the house, I was using. I it.
2: went out of my way.
0: Um. And so it was. Ne- and other guys in the band maybe would t- take liberties and go a couple of days. But it's one of those things, sort of like that fallacy that you can't drive yourself in Europe. Like, oh, you're never going to be like you, this stuff. You can figure this stuff out.
1: So to be no, to- no, no. It was. This was not a an inability right this yeah. was not a like you know i don't have a choice this was i and this right. is my he, choice this
0: is uh he
2: he reached the breaking point of like halfway through a five-week tour yes. but on the first day
1: yes uh because we've all reached that exactly in those just and those long times where you just like he hit it this is it i'm and done and, <laughs> living like a normal person and, and he kept referring to it as the smell of freedom <laughs> and and that you know he was when he whenever he would be approached by it and this is what I learned to really respect uh, about it was the de- the devotion to right. it. Right. You know, it'd be one thing if he was just like, eh, I don't give a shit. Right. You know, yeah. I, I don't care about anybody. I don't right. care. It wasn't that there was, there was sort of like a, I was like, what are you going to do when we fly back? I was like, are you going to shower before we leave? And uh-huh. I was like, no, I will shower when I get back on American soil. When I get back home in my own, my own bed, I will shower. He will
2: kiss the ground of the yeah. shower at his apartment. Yeah. And
1: there was this sense at that point, like later on, you yeah. know, where I would realize like, oh, this is, he was, he detached completely <laughs> like from reality. And I think the point was like, once I get back home. Right. Yeah. It's my life really is my life again. Right. And I will embrace that. I'm no longer sex. He, yeah. I'm, I'm back he to... You went upriver
0: and pulled the yeah. curse. <laughs> exactly. You exactly. pulled like, On the first day. But then, okay, so logistically though, you spent eight hours figuring out the passport situation. Yeah. How many days
1: do you lose? We didn't. Oh. We, oh okay. So we we ended up having mm-hmm. a day off right after the first show. Mm-hmm. So we spend that whole day doing the passport thing. So we ended up not if I'm not incorrect we ended up not missing a show at all okay Uh, and then we do the London show you know we do a bunch of shows in weird places and eventually
0: merch gets sent back to you guys no we went with no merch for the rest
2: we went with no
1: merch for the whole tour yeah because was there
2: any thought of like i should probably get or was he just kind of like fuck it at this
1: well we were we literally had no money oh we had nothing right and so we were like well our only option is to try and work out like a company somewhere over here like in mainland europe to print up shirts and stuff and and so on and so forth but we're like we we have no money right you know like nothing at all and we
2: this was yeah because i guess we did do that once with orchid of like we, we were running low on shirts, so then we found, like, the pockets. Yeah, but, and, like, uh, yeah, we this had a, the build up from three weeks that we basically then just gave to, totally. like, for. Yeah. And
1: this is the other thing is, like, if this sort of situation happened now for a million reasons, mm-hmm. it could be remedied pretty fast. Yeah. Right. You know, but at the time, we didn't have cell phones. Sure. Yeah. You know, like, at, we my coordination and, like, connection to people in Europe was nowhere near what it is now. Right. Same thing for him. You know, and so for a lot of it, we were just like, we really did not count on this. Right. Like we don't have, there was no backup plan. Right. This was like, this is everything we got. I spent the last $800 I had printing shirts. Right. Then I would get the money back. Like the first 800 that we make, I'd take back for the money I oh, spent. Oh, you on had shirts. put in for the shirts? Yeah. Oh, brother. And so.
0: So you had a month and you're essentially resigned to being like, we're going to eat it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah. going in from, this, from the beginning, we're like, well, okay. I mean,. I, we're just gonna. This is just a loss. Yeah. Like We're we know that there's no way that we're gonna make up for this. Yeah. And so we sort of. I don't think we ever asked for um, donations or anything like that, but mm-hmm. Ryan milked it for everything it was worth as part of the set right. because it's it was a you know it's a story. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting story to tell people. Be like, hey, this is the first time I've done like a real serious tour in Europe, and we got robbed <laughs> right. the first night. You know, like, welcome to Europe. And in that sense, the sympathy worked a lot because people were like, you guys need to get on your way. You right. You know, like, you need to be able to, like, have pay the driver and right. know, all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because this is the other thing. is like, all that stuff we had to pay at the end of the tour, sure, like right. the backline rental and the driver and the van and all that crap. Mm-hmm. And so, we had this thing just weighing on us the whole trip. Like, this is like a, it's like $4,600, $4,800, something like that at the end that we're going to owe. Right. Yeah. And so instead of looking at it as like, you know, we've got this money and then we take out that, the whole time it was this chipping away at something that we knew inevitably was coming right. and had no answer for. Yeah. Right. So we are like, we actually don't have a fix <laughs> if we end up under 4800 at the end of the tour. <laughs> right. We have no option. If we did, we would have already made more shirts. Right. Like right. if we had any cash at all. Clearly, yeah. we don't, and we have sensed that the driver was getting increasingly stressed because he was putting two and two together and right. hearing us have these conversations of like, right. "Well, we can't afford the four hundred euros for shirts." You know, right. we thought like, "God, he's got to be stressing as, out." As
0: you're telling me the story and you're talking about the time and before, I was so flippant in saying, "Oh, you, you know, we drove ourselves around Europe." The difference was is that we had a uh, GPS. You could just, but in 2002, that wasn't necessarily something that came with So you, you, it it wouldn't have made, you know, to follow the, you get a driver in that case.
1: When Um, I add to that story in retrospect, the idea of us also driving would, I mean, I think Ryan. Right. Head would have exploded. Yeah. Probably shot someone.
2: That's why we, yeah, we didn't have, I mean, that terrible three week tour. Like we had a driver that we had to fire halfway through because he was just some weirdo that had agreed and thought we were going to be like the white stripes and was like. Like, Weird. too drunk to drive and was, like, dancing and moshing 14-year-olds and, like, hit our publicist who was pregnant by accident in the pit or not on accident. And then, like, and then, yeah, Justin Chernow was the one who drove. And he had never driven on any tour ever awesome. before that. That's and great. he would just sit there and look at the A to Z. He would say, this is the city center mm-hmm. and just try to find a way to get us to the city center and then ask for directions. And yeah. you did it. They'll give you directions. Right. They won't even give you that in the UK. Right.
1: No, of course not. No. Uh, no.
2: They just send though, you to another bar fly. D-
0: drive, oh. <laughs> driving in uh, in mainland Europe was incredibly fun, I will say. I'm excited. <laughs> that's really, why in, we're... D- in Germany on the Autobahn. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that's either, there, he, either... You put some crap for God, you just really exactly. get yeah, exactly. whole some of that whole vibe. <laughs> I mean, that's a unique story in that that's a worst tour ever.
1: Right. <laughs> that's a worst tour ever. Yeah. I mean, well, word-
0: let me ask you this, though. Were the shows good
1: yes okay almost every show there's there's not a show in that that i can think was bad right uh so to that worst gig ever okay as in legitimately yeah. worst show uh was i was in a band in baltimore called sauna mm-hmm. s-o-n-n-a and uh we toured with explosions in the sky mm-hmm. this was 2000 2000 2001 so this was an in and explosion sky were opening for us to give you an idea of <laughs> just, how long ago it was just how long ago that was <laughs> Who's Explosions in the Sky yeah. never heard of it. And um and the shows were not in Radio City Music That's right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh so we it might have been their first tour Right uh, cuz you know I, I we put out their records mm-hmm. and this was the tour for the first record of theirs that we put out so it's probably their first tour Uh or maybe whatever so they are supporting us on this tour we every show is 25 30 mm-hmm. people you know maybe and yeah and they're they're old school diy shows mm-hmm. where you know it's like we're playing in the lobby of an abandoned hotel right or we're playing in a rug store that they played there they've <laughs> yeah. pions rugs in baltimore <laughs> yes. That was where our last show was. <laughs> oh, right. our final show
0: was it an active rug store
1: Yes, it was an Oriental rug store that closed at 6 p.m. every night. And we rented for our for the band's final show. Mm-hmm. We asked Explosions to come up uh-huh. who also supported us again. Uh-huh. But by that by that time, it's like 2003, so right. by that time had done the flip. Right. Where like they clearly are drawing <laughs> right. three to four times as many people as we were drawing and just because they're gracious people, we're right. like, "Yeah, yeah, you know it's your hometown, it's your final show. Let's do this." Never was even an issue with them where they were like, we should be playing last, right. you know? But nobody left. That's, uh-huh. so it was, that's the key. Yeah. Nobody left. It was just a, a sense of like, we probably brought more people in than we would have if we had done it without them. Right. But nobody left. It was an amazing night. But it was legitimately a rug store. <laughs> that's so that's weird. Awesome. Just looking for an extra buck. Yeah. yeah. And so we were like, hey, you know, I think Tony Joy might have been the one who told us uh, uh-huh. <laughs> that was like, hey, you know, well, this rug store. We'll, I've
2: been we'll, buying all my Oriental rugs there.
0: <laughs> <And then laughs> yeah, yeah. Realized I could play a show. He's like soundproofed. Yeah, he's like. I
1: mean, yeah, exactly. I don't know where you can do a show, but <laughs> yeah. I love this place for rugs. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Wait a second. Uh, yeah. hey man. <laughs> uh, so we rent out the rug store for like a hundred bucks, uh-huh. you know, or two hundred something stupid. This is, this is
0: not the last show. This is a. This earlier. was our final
1: show. No, sorry, I'm okay. tangential. Really quick, yes. We ran out of rug store. Okay. It was an awesome show, <laughs> that's best gig ever. <laughs> All right, that's worst worst gig ever. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, Crocodile Bar, maybe something like the you know the Crocodile or whatever. I've, Not to be confused with Crocodile Cafe in Seattle. Yeah, but it's it's called like the was Crocodile. It, was it
0: a room, kind of a smallish room behind yes, the bar, and, yes. and it's in a, what seems like a suburban neighborhood. Yes. Like, played there. Yeah. And it's guess. right it's right by a lake yes. like it down the street. And okay, it's a yeah.
1: separate room yes. from the bar. Yes. And oh, there's wait. a door I between gonna, the two.
0: And I, they yes, and they serve you microwave like Elio's yes. style pizzas <clears throat> yes. maybe.
1: We did. Okay,
2: I was yes. think I think we might have played there with high on fire. Would it be a, big enough for it? No. no, it's like the size it's,
1: of this room. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit bigger in this room. Right. This does nothing for people listening in the podcast. Yeah. Oh, Not
0: for, very for, big. For the listener, the studio is enormous. Yeah. 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 It, uh, it holds. It's like an airplane. We record. had played there with the Joggers back in 2006. Okay. Uh, okay. And that's actually how we managed to start getting booked by Mahmood at Flower. Uh, was
1: he uh, in so Milwaukee at the time? No, but he was still he in Chicago. The but he booked
0: the joggers, okay. also friends of the of the podcast, uh, and so we played. So I I have fond memories of that place. But I want to hear. I, I thought it was a place. The I
2: thought thing. it was a place where I just watched the dude from Bongzilla smoke weed, and then I was like, <laughs> "Oh, you really do like weed a lot." Uh, but yes, yeah, so you played the crop. <laughs> your,
1: your name is not ironic. Yeah, you we're just joking around there. <laughs> Keith, <Keef>. uh. <laughs> uh, we so we play we we got the show, and this was in like the. Uh, uh, Map quest days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we got lost for a while. We get to the show. There's no one there, (laughs) and that part was fine. (laughs) But I mean, no one there. You know, like the sound guy's not there. There's a bartender, right? Mm
2: -hmm. Not an exaggerated. There's no one there. No, no, no. no. There's a
1: bartender, and then no one else.
0: (laughs) The bartender's in the other room. So there's literally no one in the room where the show will be taken,
1: and the bartender. Doesn't care, right? And doesn't really. He's like, "Oh, you guys are planning a show there," and he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Yeah, cool." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, yeah. well, that doesn't really answer any of my questions." <laughs> right. um, if you say so, I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "There's literally anyone I can find outside <laughs> who would say exactly <laughs> what you just said." Midwestern <laughs> um, hospitality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we wait around for a while, and the opening band comes, and it's a two-piece electronics, and we think this is going to be awesome because we don't have to tear down anything right. because it's just going to be like two keyboards. And, exactly. you know, at the time they could have been time travelers. Like I didn't know anything about technology. Uh-huh. And so I was like, they've got space stuff and, right. and robots. And, right. they're, you know, so uh, they said,
2: you, you saw how long it takes to set up that kind of
1: shit. Yeah, exactly. Steve
2: just attaching cables. Yeah. Not
1: for like two hours. Nice. Um, so, they're they're setting everything up, and I was like, awesome! Like we, this is still in our brief headlining over explosion in the sky phase. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the like, heady cool. Days. Yeah, I was like, cool. We can just set up, leave everything room for explosions to set up stuff if they need to, and then you know we don't have to tear anything down. And everything goes smoothly. The guys are super nice in the band, and then you know door time rolls around. Still no one. <laughs> Sound guys there, oh, no man. people. At the show at all. (laughs) And so then, like, maybe 20 minutes before the first band comes on, this couple walk in. And they're there. And they pay... It's five bucks. You know, Mm -hmm. they pay their money to get in the show. What day
0: of the week is this? Do you remember?
1: I don't remember. Probably a weekday? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So they turn out to be the entire audience for the whole show. It's just this couple. And... So, the a f- good $10 draw. Yeah. A $10 oh, draw, which I'll get back to that at the show. end. Between
0: three three groups.
1: Yeah. Um, $10 draw. Uh, so, they're there, and they're there to see sauna and explosion in the sky. And oh. I was like, awesome. Not only did they just mosey on in, they came here with a purpose. specifically with a purpose. Not to see some live music. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like which they, is the worst. Because in your head, once you realize there's only two people here, right. that's $10. Yeah. They might buy stuff, right? Because they're fans, exactly. And they also might feel bad because they know that they're the only two people here. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll, yeah, stay, keep the, keep the change, (laughs) exactly. So first band plays, and again, the room holds maybe fifty people, Uh maybe. So there's two paying people in here. First band goes on, and they have two smoke machines, which they've kicked on full blast. (sighs) and i hate smoke the, oh they're awful they're awful and they like, make my throat close up they, well little, everybody yeah, like, yeah. they you taste it yeah and, and you're not like supposed that. to yeah if it's being used enough for anyone to taste it right and you're not using it right, <laughs> right. and it, you can taste it yeah webster hall you taste yes. it all the time such yeah. a and webster hall is a 1500 capacity room so we're talking like <laughs> you know 300 times the right. size of the room. Take were the bathroom of Webster yeah, Hall. Yeah, take the bathroom of Webster Hall, it. put two smoke machines in there, turn them on <laughs> until they run out. That's what this band did. They turned it on until it ran out. And so it's just white, white like horror movie white. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see my palm in front of my face. As close as this mic is to my mouth, I cannot <laughs> see my hand in front of my face. It's ghost white like a nightmare. Right. <laughs> and yeah. and I'm like, this is maybe the best show I've ever been to because, <laughs> right. the, because this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Right. Like, And they have strobes. Sure. So because it's a white abyss... It's a strobing white abyss (laughs) that's just this white, like you're being operated on by aliens. Like it feels like you're being abducted. Are they playing music at this point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're They're like doing their thing, you know, but it's, I don't remember a note of it. I don't remember any of it. I just remember it being like electronic noise. Could have been the best thing ever. Right. But I Probably being, not. No. Let's just be honest <laughs> yeah. with ourselves. Because I have never heard of that band since right. this night. I'm going to guess it's not the best thing ever. Big
0: local draw was not playing good music. <laughs> but you that. know what these guys just what these guys suffered from? Because we've had bands open for us like this, like that that opening band syndrome where they're a little too big for their britches. Yeah. Yes. And this is their too,
2: show. They haven't played a show. Maybe not yeah. that many. And this they go like a little their...
0: they go a little out of control yeah. in terms of wanting to impress. Why wouldn't we play our entire
1: uh, yeah, of <laughs> yeah. Songs.
0: Even which is a good point.
1: I hadn't thought about that, but it's true, right? You yeah. have, there's lots of those stories where, like, this is the local band who, and this is, we are, we were a local band, yeah, but I was like, I mean, this my is, high school band would do that. Yeah. We play for the, 45 like, minutes, this and is we're a hardcore band, yeah, like, it's like, this no is a local band that. who is trying to make their mark, yes, you know, and they're like. We're playing for Arab Strap, yeah. or we're playing—you know—we're playing for whoever. Yeah. Right, and it's like we're going to make them remember this for, like, this is going to be the one that's going to, you know. <laughs> and they're going to remember it, all right. Yeah, and we did remember, remember it with a lot of smoke, huh? Yeah, and uh, so this happens. So you guys know how long it, it is between bands. It's like 20, 30 minutes, whatever. Yeah. Especially when you're in no hurry, when there's nobody to, uh, yes. to worry about exactly. leaving. So
2: they're sitting up there
1: talking. We're hey, there's great smoke machines. We, had yeah. So they finish. We can't see that they finished, right? <laughs> but we, we heard them finish, and then we're like, hey, is it cool if we open up the back door? It's like 35 degrees outside, right. and I was like, we just need to open up the back door to get some of the smoke out, because we can't even set up. Right. Like, we can't still see. still their entire set. It's- oh, that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. We can't see anything. Um, We kept the door open for probably 30 minutes, and it never cleared. It just stayed white. It makes and sense. Then Explosions plays and we saw them through like a thin foggy haze <laughs> right. for like thirty minutes. And then we played and when we played, I was still having a problem playing. Right. Because I still couldn't quite discern. I was not talented enough to just be a ripper who sure. could just sit sure. there and you do whatever. I needed to see the neck of the guitar. Yeah. And I couldn't. <laughs> so like I played half the set. With the neck, like, uh, like up yeah. to my face.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like and they're at the a guitar center.
1: <laughs> right. Like I'm in a guitar center. And the only thing that is the saving grace of that when you're doing that, I'm like, well, if I can't see until now, they can't see what I'm doing. Right. So no harm, no foul. Like, yeah, I'm right. not going to be embarrassed by this because they can't see anything. So the haze finally clears enough for all six people four Explosion in the Sky and two paying people to see us play the last. Wait, has the,
0: has the local band left? Did they pull one of those?
1: I don't remember if they left or not. They might have might have bailed once they realized they weren't getting paid. Uh-huh. Uh So the show's over. The sound guy comes up to us pretty much immediately afterwards uh-huh. and he was like, all right, look, I get paid 25 bucks. I was like, okay. And he's like, but I'm not an asshole. And I was like, all right. And he's like, you only made ten dollars the door, so I'll just take the ten. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Okay, yeah. thanks well, for not being an asshole." Sport, <laughs> wait, yeah, what's the other
2: option that you give them? Yeah, him.
1: Yeah, that we pay the difference.
2: Yeah, that's never existed. No, at that, any... that
0: happened to us. Really? At member lit, or was it before? Lit no, not lit lux. Yes, garbage bar. <laughs> yeah, listener. It was there was a bar in, 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 in Brooklyn. Yeah. We played like a seven band Saturday afternoon. No one for anyone right. showed up. Right, um, and the guy who put the show together, and we were we were like a last minute kind of sub for another band that quit. We had one person come. I mean, this was in the early right days right. When we were, and uh, he demanded that we give him twenty dollars to cover like the sound guy. Wait, who was booking? Uh well, I I'd, I'd rather not say his name. But so, uh, I show. guess that someone was booking. No, well oh, this this was this was the guy who was putting the show together had contacted us directly. Right. It's like this is probably like 2002 or 3. Right. Said, like, "Hey, can you guys play the show on 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 Sunday? Right. Um it's going to be great, whatever." Said, okay, fine, sure. We did. Yeah, and we had one right. person pay for us. And then afterwards, he's like, clearly not,
1: did not have a significant other.
0: No, but right. ironically, the one person who paid later became our bass player.
1: Oh, so, perfect.
0: So, um, but it was, it was, it was a nightmare. I mean, that's that's a humiliating thing.
1: <laughs> that's an amazing story. You're um, like, well, right. I think, at th- hey. Clearly, you like this band. You're the only person. You're the only person we so, thought of when we realized we were out of luck. Um,
2: <laughs> I will say the guy from Lux loved me. And he would always bring me downstairs well, to show was... me his triple rectifier amp. What a uh,
1: terrible name for an amp, by the way. Yeah. I can never. It just
2: means metal upon compression upon metal.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: and I think I was there for his wedding party, which Macedon was playing. Because Manson just needed to fill in a show. No, and I will I will also say that I don't that think night.
0: this guy was the main booker like right, right. it was just um, Lux sucked. Yeah. It mean, definitely me. sucks. I
2: hated that. I hated playing uh, that place. But
0: that I mean that's
1: I forgot about that place that's the humiliating.
0: Like when that yeah. when that stuff happens yeah. um and and uh, Here, it's
1: a great story. Slightly tangential. Have uh-huh. either of you ever had a, a, a the main band on a show that you're opening for tell the promoter not to pay you because you're lucky to be on the bill with them.
2: Uh, that, not, that, that I, that's a not no. possibly, but not that I know of. that happened that's to us. Really, and I
1: won't say the band when we're off. When Mike, we're off, you're I'll tell you me. that legitimately What's
2: name <laughs> rhyme with <laughs> no, the Blexplosions Blinda the Um That's intense.
1: Yeah, that really happened. <laughs> Wait,
2: in front of you, or did like the the, the no? The promoter told it, us. It. Okay. The promoter
1: told us it was so. Sean Agnew. From yeah. uh yes. from Philadelphia, great man. Who, he st- actually oh, he still actually still owes man. us
0: a uh, our uh
1: dinner stipend.
0: Or we or should when we tweet tweet the true him. Yeah, <laughs> he him actually, actually
1: technically still owes sauna for their last show.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was when R five did do recurrent. things. Else. It was you when R five was a
1: little bit sketchy. Yeah, uh I love that dude. Yeah, I think he's solid people, mm. and I think like what from afar at least. I don't know him closely, so I couldn't say. Maybe he's. A terrible. Who knows? He's for an amazing man. For
0: the listener, he is a promoter in the Philadelphia.
2: He's we a took promote. him as our tour manager for uh, the Vice tour we did. That was Death from Above and Vietnam. And we basically just used the money that Sparks gave us. To pay for Agnew to hang out in the van for five weeks.
1: He's amazing. Yeah, he's he's killer. Yeah, and he's nowadays definitely insanely organized. Yeah, really has his thing together, and he's stuck to it, and right. he's really devoted to it. And it's hard not to respect him.
2: It's amazing that he does a real club now. You, yeah. you transfer as well as yes like, four other venues. Yeah, it's like, ridiculous. And is still collecting, like, Japanese punk records <laughs> yeah, way yeah. too much and then flying to, like, Abu Ghraib <laughs> <Yeah. stuff. laughs> uh, Abu Dhabi. Uh, yes. Yeah. You can always go to Abu Ghraib.
1: Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he, he booked the show for us, for Sauna, and we mm-hmm. opened for another band. And it was a big show. It was at 4040. I don't know if you ever remember that space. Yeah. But it was basically an airplane hangar that he was renting out to use, uh, you know, he'd bring in his own PA and, and stage and all that stuff. You know, they were sort of like slash and burn shows where it's like by the next morning, you'd have no idea that there were 2000 kids there the night before. Right. And uh, it was 1100 people. It sold out at 1100 or a thousand, whatever. And he told us before the show happened, because the, the band that was headlining (laughs) sound checked for two hours so they sound checked into the doors opening. So he had to push doors, right. which then meant that the two bands opening didn't get sound checks at all. Mm-hmm. Right. They got line checks. And it also meant that uh, the doors were being pushed so everybody's sets got cut short mm-hmm. because they refused to cut their set short. Their sound check was their entire set again, right? like playing it straight through. right? So... All that mess happens. And then Sean comes up to us like right after we played. And two things. One, we were not allowed to... The band wouldn't tear down anything on stage. And they were a very big ensemble. Uh And so they're like, we don't strike anything. And so we're like, what are we going to do? There's two other bands playing. And they're like, you play in the open space. And it was four feet by six feet that we had for the four of us to play with (laughs) a drum kit. A bass rig, two guitar rigs, and a Rhodes. Right. And a four by six foot space. And we did it. And it's one of those things where the audience doesn't get to know the logistics behind it. So they look at it and they're like, what a bunch of goons. Like, (laughs) why are they like, why don't they move stuff? You know, why are they all like, you're playing with the guitar all the time. Yeah. (laughs) It's a space. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, so that happens then right after we play, Sean's like, okay, so check it. The headlining band has asked me that you don't get paid because our other option was that we would cut you from the show because doors ran over so late. And I was like, we can't cut them because they're on the bill. Right. So people that paid maybe paid for they're them. expecting to because see. Because yeah. we had just played a show for Sean like three months prior, four months prior, and there were a couple hundred people right. there. And so and Sean's it's not the like,
2: Mercury Lounge when they walk in and they're going, like, and who'd you cut? Yeah, they're for? like, here's
1: I can't. Yeah. yeah. And Sean's like, we cannot cut them. He's like, on top of the fact that that's just a terrible thing to do. Right. That's a really crappy right. human thing to right. do.
2: Which is why Sean's an awesome promoter. <coughs> right. He actually has a like, surprisingly human element. Yeah. yeah.
1: He's Except like, what bes- he owes you your dick? Except <laughs> when everyone owes you your fucking dick. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, we can't do that. Also, I don't know how many of these people came to see them play. Yeah. Right. And sure, there's probably crossover because Sean's not stupid. There's right. a reason why he put us on the bill in the first place. Right. But, you know, point being, Sean was just like, there's no way that we cut them from the bill. And they're like, okay, well, just don't pay them because, you know, we're going on our way to let them stay on this bill. And Sean's Really like,
0: going out of their way. Working real this hard. This literally sounds like the worst band I've ever and heard so Sean,
1: of. You know, so Sean's like all right, fine, you know, like whatever. And Sean agrees to it, right? Because he just doesn't want to deal with the conflict of it right. anymore. So he comes up to us and he was like, here's the deal. This place sells out at $1,100. we will clock at 1100 You know, they were doing the little clicker thing. right? And he's like, we're just going to keep selling, you know, and then we're going to pay you everything over the $1,100. If they do ask, he's like, I can't imagine they would ask because I don't think they even want you to know. But if they ask, you tell them you got paid nothing. And I was like, "Okay, (laughs) that's amazing." Yeah. Um. So Sean pays us, you know, for everything, and then uh, at the end of the night, he comes up to us when it like we're loading out, and I was like, "Did they really ask you?" And he was like, "Dude, they double checked when we were counting out to make sure that you guys didn't get paid."
2: It's like they're working overtime. And And I was like, "That's
1: "That's so much dedication to being such a terrible person." Right. And, uh, and then, so then after the fact, you know, I was like, I went up to them and I put my hand out, like since, you know, earnest gesture, I was like, thanks so much for having us on this bill. It's like one of the biggest shows we've ever played and put my hand out and the guy stared at my hand and then walked away. And I was like, I was like, this is like cartoon. Right. Like, like all of this is like a caricature of like bad dude. Right. and so uh Scott Bakula from Quantum Leap jumped into
2: a <laughs> into a band and was like this yeah. is
0: what I have to act like <laughs> yeah. to prove that I'm in a band that's I mean that's that's shocking. Yeah, it was I mean, insane. I, I mean, was... I've I've been <clears> in situations. I think there's certain parts of the company where, like, the headlining band will pay you the support band out of what they. I hate
2: that, that. I hate being in that situation. That would happen a lot with. Yeah, Panthers it's happening a lot to end. us. I hate that. Yeah, like the whole like, oh, okay, now you got. And so then you're just like, all right, that, well, that's,
0: that happened to, to us. Uh, don't one, do one, your one job. That's essentially
2: what that yeah. translates to. The promoter's not yeah. doing yeah. part of their job. But at but least yeah. you're
0: still getting paid. Yeah, there isn't this vendetta against yeah us against them mentality that is totally antithetical to i think everything that why we have gotten into doing this someone in that band
2: has issues with their family
1: Uh, (laughs) the the only like the only respite from that whole thing is we ultimately we played three shows with them right and we never spoke to any of them the whole time and It'd be one thing if you're like playing three shows of Smashing Pumpkins. Right. And you're like, well, obviously we never spoke to them because there's 60 people buffering right. between them and mm-hmm. us. and They have a company. Like, this was not that. Right. This I was can't like, believe the
0: guys in Megadeth were such assholes. Like, <laughs> yeah, right?
1: <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> not my Dave
1: <laughs> But, you know, it's it, this was not that. Yeah. This was like two or three bands showing up right. to a show like anybody does. Yeah. You know? This wasn't like tour bus right. style. Any, there was no not meant not to even be. that. You
2: see, that's the weird part. There when was not like even a tour bands bus. Bands who are like living in the same world as like we yes. are, like and they. It's like it's like they were just champing at the bit to uh, enter into that world. Like Which, they were just right, so, so, right. like It's like there was those, those weird moments where like that Palaka song will pop in my head, like about like hating rock and roll. Just the concept of where I'm like, I love rock and roll, but not. That attitude, where right. it's just at the end, it's just like hey, Which rock is,
1: and roll, right? Which is that thing where you're like, you're counting, you're waiting, and you're like, all right, we hit a thousand people, right? Now I can turn it on, <laughs> yeah. you know, like <laughs> turn no, on the like, dick it's, switch. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah.
0: it's not even. I mean, it's it's not something that you you should ever even have the ability to do. Like, you don't get to a certain point and you become a dick. I right? agree. You know, like yeah, like in right. fact, it's I would I would wager to guess that most of the people that are in. Really popular bands that you know uh, are pretty cool, and yeah, like yeah. grateful for the experience yeah. that they that they have. I and think
1: there are these broken I, people out <laughs> there, though. <that laughs> yeah, there just, are. They're totally. I mean, that's the thing. Like we toured Flaming Lips, mm-hmm. some of the best people we've ever toured right. in my life. Like unbelievably good people. I've it's heard, like when I hear
2: about Red Hot that. Chili Peppers, like us, like it's always just like nicest dudes in the yeah. world. Yeah,
1: like, unbelievably I don't really good care people. Them, but. And they're you know they're the, what you're describing is is how they feel about things they're like right. i mean look look at this life like yeah. it's not they're not obscenely wealthy right you know they're not smashing pumpkins in the mid-90s right you know they're not that that they're not nickelback yeah but they're like we get to do this oh
2: if yes. only that could be nickelback
0: if only
1: uh, <laughs> you know let let's uh let's talk
0: about uh the label for a little bit Sure. Mm-hmm. and i mean because you've been doing this since the mid-90s and yeah you've, you've yeah. definitely weathered um all of these changes in the way that people are consuming music these days, so why don't you talk about maybe some of the worst gigs that apply to to just running a label things that maybe people don't know about that you have to deal with that maybe aren't your favorite uh, uh, parts of of the business
1: well uh, interns I hate dealing with interns, mm-hmm. and I say this only because. I we get probably fifty intern requests a month, mm-hmm. maybe a little more, and forty nine of them are identical. They're they're either I am currently enrolled in a music industry program in a in a college, right? I have just graduated from a music industry program and I want to go right into the music industry right. head first, right? Or um, I want to own a label. And so, so I would. Can like I to, own your label? <laughs> so I would like to. I would like to work for a label long enough to know what it's what what it takes to own a label, right? All of which are completely like detached from reality, right? And they you know, all seems right. like
0: a blanket thing where they're just sending out a form, yeah. Letter. Yeah. Like, it, it is, you know, as opposed to saying, "Look, I really love these records that you've done." Right, and, I- and
1: the worst are the ones where they're like. I like all the different genres of music that you focus on. Everything from explosions in the sky to mono. I'm like, <laughs> huh? The extremes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, uh, wait, got a big wa- wheelhouse there. I was like, wait, yeah, I like, way to really dig. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh,
0: so, so I guess, so just the
1: so that the, the thing is, the only reason that that's a pain getting email. I mean, getting demos is worse. Mm-hmm. But the the only reason it's a pain is because. We have to have an intern, right? Most of the time, right? So we'll we'll bring in the one that seems to me like the least evil of all of them. Right. Like, ah, this person seems like they have a vague grip on reality, right? And that they don't think, you know, because you will get these emails who are like, yeah, you know, I think I'd I'd be great at booking the tours and working the phones. And I was like, we don't have a phone, <laughs> actually, in the office. Haven't for years. <laughs> there is no working phones right. to do anything. <laughs> And you're uh, great at it. Yeah, it's like, and we have booking agents <laughs> right. who do all that stuff. So I'm not going to hire somebody who's literally never booked a show before to handle all of our tours. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, and so uh, we'll br- bring in the person who seems the most realistic. After I've sent an email that's like, here's exactly what interns do. Uh huh. And I don't feel bad about it because I did this alone right. for eight years. Right. You'll pack envelopes. For hours at a time, you'll strip promos yeah. for hours at a time. You will unwrap jewel cases and take them apart and put them into, you know, envelopes or whatever that makes it lighter. So you save on postage. You'll do all of this r- ridiculous, tiny, rudimentary stuff that is total grunt work. You'll sharpie the same message on 600 posters to send out to clubs and retail, right. all this stuff. You'll do so many things that you're like, this is the worst job ever. Yeah. Ever. Like I, my hand hurts every night. Right. Like this is thankless. Nobody on the outside world sees anything or appreciates anything that I'm doing. There is no great reward for this. There's these three other people in the office who are like, thanks a bunch for doing this. Mm -hmm. We're not going to pay you. And nobody outside of this is aware of my contribution to what I'm doing. This sucks. (laughs) So I'll, I'll explain it. You know, I'm like, this is how wow. an internship right. works. That's like, beautiful, by the way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you, you just uh, surmised like, the, the intern experience at, a, at, a, at an indie label.
1: Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. I was like, this is, this is uh, <laughs> bad poetry. <clears throat> um, to,
2: I wish you had like a video of you back in the day that you could have just like given them of just like, like, cause the way I, cause like when I picture it, I picture the ebullition offices, ebullition yeah.
1: records. I never saw their offices. It's,
2: I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I've i never been to, over to Europe, but it's just like you walk in a warehouse and it's just yeah. Kent and Lisa and they're just packaging stuff yeah. and like. Here, get this disclosed 7-inch and put this here. and do, It's just like nonstop. You like, know, you know what totally it like, me And it's out. hot. It's always hot. Yes.
0: I remember, uh, uh, maybe a nice analogy, I remember growing up loving Mad Magazine. Yeah. Mad did a, uh, an article, not an article, they did an illustration one time where it was like these kids that were going to visit the Mad offices. Right. And it was in their mind what they thought was going on. In every and then they room- made
2: reference to it in that, that One Simpsons episode. Oh, they like, they? Yeah, Matt, or they like, yeah, I think Bart was trying to get an internship, uh, uh-huh. same deal, and they opened the door, but you only see like kind of what that article yeah, was. like. A yeah, piece of and it,
0: it was, you, you, it's everything you'd think how amazing it would be to it's work like, at. Hey. And then there's the flip side of it was, it's an office yep. and it's guys writing. And, and in fact, I wound up going there when I was like 13, and they were, you know, very nice and they took us around. But it was a bunch of guys like in their 50s and 60s right. in an office, in like
1: quasi cubicles. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. and so
0: it's just this idea that kids um, who are, you know, there's the sex appeal of, like, music, and when you see how the sausage is made, so right. to speak, it's, it's yeah, absolutely. completely
1: absolutely I limiting. mean, there's so much of that is is per- strictly perception. Right. And it is an illusion. Right. It's like, there are three people that work at temporary residence. Right. You know, and you can look at it, you can... Watch front and lights, mm-hmm. you know, or you can see that explosions are touring with nine inch nails. Mm-hmm. And instantly you think that label's probably got fifty people working there. right. It's I know exactly what it looks like. You know, it's like a modern version of the Mad Men office, where it's like everybody walking around just being smooth and coming up with crazy ideas all day right. long and being like, "We can do whatever we want whenever we want, blah blah, blah, blah. right. And it's not. yeah, like it's actually. People working way too long yep. for not enough money, you know, and doing it because they genuinely love to do it. Right. Not doing it because they want people to think that it's something it's not. Like right. none of us are in on the illusion. Right. You know, we're not trying. Some some companies are. Yeah. You know, and the, the whole idea of celebrity is to maintain that illusion. Yeah. But we're not trying actively and trying to be as honest as I can, you right. know, like this is a really efficient, really small thing that we do. We just try and do it as well as we can, you know, and, and try and stay afloat and do whatever thing. Well, we also put out super weird music. Right.
0: So speaking to that, to trying to stay afloat, yeah. Two thousand thirteen. Yes. Running a label as as you are the type of label that you're running, um, which doesn't. Uh, Jeff and I were talking about it before we started taping. Like it doesn't. You're not really, uh, you know, succumbing to trends. You've kind of uh, f- uh, found this. Uh, style of music, um, you know, with variants, but you know, it, you have not getting a sound. number
2: one with the William Basinski "Disintegration no. Loops" box yeah. set, which is fantastic <laughs> for me and you know the couple other people who are excited about <laughs> yeah. it, yeah, which
0: is great. Yeah. what is the what's the single biggest problem to running a label of your stature in two thousand thirteen?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't. It's, I don't know if there's a single biggest problem. I mean, uh, um, there's certain things that we've never had, so we don't we don't have to feel like the the pain of defeat or mm-hmm. sort of a pain of reversal. We've never had a best new music on Pitchfork. Right. We've had best reissues kind of things, but there's a bit of a cheat to that because yeah. it's it's basically reissuing things. It's like, well, they already like that. Right. So worst case scenario is. It's the same. Right. You know, God forbid we do something to it that actually hurts the legacy of this thing <laughs> that they are. It's like, well, we used to really like yes, this. Right. Then Timber has got a hold of it. <laughs> <laughs> now it's shit. a lot. <laughs> um, so we don't, we don't have, I'm really grateful for that. Like I'm grateful for what success we have, which is not enormous, mm-hmm. but it maintains. Right. To feel like we can maintain it without that mm-hmm. because it's so fickle. And it, it, in and of itself carries less of an impact now, obviously, than it did two thousand three. See, I,
0: that's what I was. That was going to be my follow up question: is the weight? Oh, it's that it's a, that a pitchfork review it's holds so small. Right? for better for worse, yeah. especially nowadays.
1: Yeah, the weight now is largely incidental for other press. Like the the weight is almost, you know, I would say eighty percent of the weight of it is if you have something that a lot of people aren't writing about, right? And then Pitchfork writes about it and likes it. Then you'll suddenly get a lot of people writing about it. Mm-hmm.
2: Then, so if we got that point three on the Panthers record now, it would hold. It would really have just killed us immediately.
0: Oh, because the blogosphere would have lasted. <laughs> yes, on yeah. exactly.
1: Like it's it's good for that. It had a real serious retail power. Yeah. like Ten years ago, you mm-hmm. know, because I worked in a record store in Portland, like during the broken social scene, no twist era. Mm-hmm. You know when, like. Th- that when the pitchfork cycle really started to make serious strides at retail where you're like, you know, they do a best of music once a week. Yeah. And some, sure enough, like we'd get a thing that we, we might've had for two months or three months and sold two copies of. Suddenly it sells 80. Right. You know, a week. And it's like, man, this is one store in one town. Right. You know, and, um, it doesn't have that at all anymore, but it does have an effect, an impact on, other press, Mm -hmm. you know, and we've seen that where it's like, man, people have slept on this record and we just can't get people to write about it. And then four months later randomly, it shows up on pitchfork and then, you know, it's like, then all these other places start writing about it. And it's like, well, that's cool. They don't have to love it. I just want people to know that it exists right? because they can, I like, we already genuinely love and believe in what we put out before it hits that spot like before pitchfork gets it i already know that it succeeds for me like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm not going to be disparaged by somebody not liking it right but i would like to see that people know it exists and it's harder for us to spend for as few records as we sell it's hard for us to spend a lot of money on ads Mm mm-hmm and so we can't really. And the ads are the online ads are now really expensive. There was that period where it's like print ads were expensive, and online was struggling yeah. to get a, a relevance. Mm-hmm. Now it's like if you want to do an ad on pitch work, it's thousands of dollars. Just thousands of dollars, you know. And then you're just like, well, if I'm only going to sell two thousand copies right. of this thing, that's it. Yeah. Like we can't. We can't even advertise. We can't. You yeah. know. And so, and because of the music, that the other sort of like weird catch22 is the music that we put out tends to cater to people who are really in tune and clever mm-hmm. and the people who are the most in tune and clever are know the ways to get music for free faster than people who are stupid right yeah. you know and or like or genuinely scared of Big brother or any of that kind right. of craziness that like you know yeah. most of the people we know, Right. Don't aren't don't have those sensibilities. Right. They'll get records when they want them, how they want them. You know, and that's that is what it is. But it is kind of a thing where it's like the irony is we're never gonna sell a million records. Right. And the artists that are gonna continue to sell those kinds of records are the artists that don't need it yeah. as much. Yeah. You know, as the people who are like, Well, we're only gonna sell two or three thousand, four thousand alluvium records if we're lucky. Mm-hmm. If more than half of Alluvium's audience, is now taking it somewhere, you know, and and there's the other thing about that is like I don't I don't want anybody to buy something they don't like. Right. I'm not trying to trick them into anything. The problem is people will justify it and say, "Well, yeah, I download everything mm-hmm. illegally, yeah, and then the stuff that I like, I go out and buy, right." And it's like, well, that's hard to say. That's that's like eating a sandwich, right? And then being like, if I liked it. I'll go back and pay them for it. Right. Yeah. But it's like...
2: It is a dumb... It's an argument I used to use, I think, a little bit more, and then realize, like, oh, wait, I used to buy, like, a lot of stuff I didn't like. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's just kind of part that would be part and parcel of it. Yeah. Like, you know, you sample everything on the Revelation catalog or on yeah. Victor, whatever it is, yeah. whatever label. Like, uh, because that, that
0: the, was like, your only way of also viewing yeah. the yeah. stuff, really.
1: And I'm, I'm totally down with the idea of like, do not buy this if you don't like it. Right. Please, right. by all means. Like, I assume you're getting no enjoyment out of it anyway. Why, right. you know, that's stupid. Yeah. But it's, I know I, almost everyone I know. Has at least a half dozen instances where they're like, "Yeah, I downloaded it, and then I listened to it like thirty times, and then you know, now now it's just is what it is." And I was like, <laughs> "Now sure. I've
2: decided I don't want to buy." it.
1: Yeah, and they're like, "But now you know, <laughs> maybe why, I don't like it as much." It's like, like it "Why buy things. it now?" Because you know, yeah, you know, I've already got it. Right. Well, well I also
0: it. I also want to ask you what it, I hate CDs. Yeah, I, I just
1: I hate. I CDs. like them. Well, I I want I want yeah, to know as
0: someone that are you still selling a lot of CDs? I I I find maybe now. Because between digital and vinyl, um, I have no use for CDs. They took up so much space. They're in my parents' basement now. Um, I haven't purchased or listened to a CD itself. In fact, I have to burn a CD, and I can't even bring myself to do it. Right how does our cd's still s- and what's oh, the because
2: yeah. that's the going with that i guess it's like yeah. i feel like there was also at least for a while the burst of like all the articles about the resurgence of vinyl and for me it was just always like yeah i just always bought vinyl but in some ways i'd like see the numbers and be like doesn't feel complete like a resurgence and it also feel as like now the articles were some weird justification for major labels to start charging more for vinyl, absolutely, of like a twenty dollar yeah. reissue absolutely. of Thin Lizzy Jailbreak that you can get for six
0: bucks, and that's always yeah. going to be a niche thing anyway. Right. Yeah. it's never going. It's to always going to be
1: that. a one yeah. to three percent. But of I, I guess
0: I'm curious as to like uh, maybe not to get into a numbers game, but are you
1: selling as many CDs as vinyl these days? Way or? more CDs than vinyl. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Way more. I mean, vinyl for us, it's still like our numbers are not industry standard numbers. Mm-hmm. They're they're super skewed right uh, industry standard i think is like three percent vinyl and you know probably fifty percent i don't even know I, I but it's it's really it's like three or four percent vinyl and it's climbing at right. half a percent a year or whatever right. and then <laughs> yeah and then the downloads and cds are split you know and streaming is going to blow all of that up right in a weird way mm-hmm. you know it's going to skew the numbers really hard but for us cds are 50%, maybe more right of, of everything. And then, it's
2: one of those things that's hard to tell, I think, because it's like, uh, you know, when you're in your own little bubble, like in my brain, I'm like, nah, everyone I know buys vinyl, but because that's the, the friends I'm with. Whereas then, like, my best friend still buys CDs nonstop because that's yeah. what he, like, it's almost like I've said it before, but people like complaining about some like black metal band, like selling out because they've sold like, more than 500. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, right. it's yeah. All It was such anyway. a tiny, tiny yeah. little bubble you were in that they're not yeah. cult anymore. And I'm just yeah. like, well, yeah. It because is. like it 400 is. people. Like
0: it. I, don't, I think I was just always of the mindset that if I were to put out another record, I would do vinyl with a download code. See,
1: then this is the thing. The new Pinback record, mm-hmm. which we put out last fall, I had two years of constant arguments with Zach from Penback, mm-hmm. because he was like, I don't want to make CDs, right? No CDs, the new record vinyl and download only. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. That's an awful idea. Like you're going to, I don't think you realize how big the CD market still really is. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're for a legacy band, meaning a band that's been around for 10 years or longer, mm-hmm. your audience, part of your audience, no doubt you're picking up new people, but part of your audience will have been with you for that whole time. Right. And vinyl does not skew to an older audience like people think it does. People have this perception that's like, oh, well, if you're in your 30s or 40s, you're definitely collecting like vinyl of everything that you want. But what happens is like, oh, we had kids, you know, and I had to, we have, we need more space, or you know, so on and so whatever. Any of these things. Most happen. of the
2: record fairs are full Fun. of people who had kids at this point, honestly, yeah. just selling yeah. off their collections. So,
1: what ha- what
0: happened in that in that case? Did they ultimately you press
1: CDs? Well, yeah, we ended up doing CDs, and I was like, just humor me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am paying for it anyway, but like, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, with Daddy Wobucks yeah, <laughs> over, yeah. But it's like, just let me. We need to do this. I we won't go overboard with it, you know, and we'll press enough to like. If you're right, mm-hmm. you know that we won't lose our shirts on or anything like that. And the CD was like fifty percent right. of of their total sales, you know. And 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 it digital, I think was, you know, forty five or close to that. And then vinyl's like six, right? You wow. know, like six or seven percent, something like that. And then other, the darker and weirder the music, the higher the vinyl mm-hmm. is for us, and the lower the digital, right. So like Coliseum, yeah. Really high vinyl, really low digital. Blackheart procession, mm-hmm. high vinyl, low digital. Envy, mono. And then it doesn't change until you get into bands where the quantities are high enough to where that's irrelevant anymore. It's right. no longer. But I mean the genre thing doesn't matter once you get past right. 3 or 4 or 5,000 cuz then you're just appealing to enough people.
2: Yeah. That you're moving into the the normals, you yeah, know, like just like I'm assuming, like Kyle Sam, it's like you're still like uh, most of the fan base is going to be people who came out of some sort of underground world, absolutely, uh, you know, and and uh, yeah, but then if yeah, obviously with explosions,
1: right, it's a different thing. Yeah, Friday Night Lights, and, <laughs> yeah, and is the same thing. It's yeah. a different thing, and the the interesting thing, like we did a Moss Icon reissue mm-hmm. last year, and we did a Bitch Magnet reissue, mm-hmm. and. They were two bands that came from the same era. Some crossover, but also definitely, especially when when the scenes mm-hmm. were so split. Yeah, you know, like in the late '80s, Moss Icon would definitively be more from the hardcore world, yep. and Bitch Magnet would be definitively more from like the touch and go, big black world, closer
2: to pig fuck stuff. And yes, uh, Moss Icon in the paper bag hardcore exactly. world, as I called it, mm-hmm.
1: and um. Paperback. Yeah, the angel hair hardcore. Yeah, exactly. Um, eh, we got to make
2: sleeves. Just go to the grocery <laughs> yeah. store.
1: Uh, so, we, when we were doing it, I was like, these are both effectively similar projects from a mm-hmm. production standpoint. And all, the three of us in the office were like, I guarantee you that the Bish Magnet sells more on CD than vinyl, and the Moss Icon sells more on vinyl than CD. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what happened. But we were still so wrong on the proportions because right. the bitch magnet we made like, I think we made 2,000 LPs and maybe 2,000 CDs. Uh-huh. We sold like 1,100, 1,200 LPs and 6,000 CDs. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was just like, oh. And, and there's a digital um, version. Yeah, there's a digital right? which no one cared about. I think I mean, that's
2: the know. stuff that would actually give me like somehow the most anxiety because I just picture, it's like the equivalent of when you had to order shirts yeah. for bands and I constantly would just be like, stress, asking everyone, what are the amounts? How many youth mediums do we... Do we really need youth larges? Like, no one's going to buy youth meat, And then, of course, you end up with, like, a dozen youth mediums that you can't even fit on a dog. that
1: actually is a great... I didn't even think about that. It's a major anxiety. Yeah. Because taking the temperature on an industry that changes so rapidly is so hard. Right. And it's weird you don't think about it, but you're like, God, I can't even assume that the same number of we should order the same number of grails records for a new grails record as we did two years ago right because yeah everything changes so fast and you make that mistake you're like eh, we sold 500 color vinyl of this last record you can't
2: just look at the old numbers so we'll we'll do
1: 500 again and then you're like the postage rates changed. Right. So the international rate makes it so no one wants to order records anymore. How is Girls Large
0: different from Boys Small? Right. And it would be, that would go by, I'm sure you
2: noticed and you noticed, like where it would just be like, oh wait, like we've still got that batch from when everyone wanted their shirts a little baggier. Yeah. And now everyone's a little bit more fashion conscious, so like, don't even think of ordering an extra large. Yeah. But then, if you have any bit of metal, yeah. you better have. You have to course.
0: have the extra. I mean, large... Bolt Thrower
2: was selling triple extra large shirts. I believe that. And they, sure, they sold a lot yeah. of triple extra. Well, that large was the, shirts.
0: that was the thing. We, we, we would always have some XL, and then you get like the, the poor guys who're like, you I have know. the double XL. I know. We, yeah, um, buddy, you're lucky we've yeah. <laughs> got this. I'm sorry. And and you know how many XLs we have? Take your pick. You know? like, yeah. Those. Oh, I still have got it. Same
1: XS. thing with shirt colors. Yeah, Shirt colors. Well, it was a, a minor forest had mm. over a hundred yellow A minor forest t-shirts for 10 years after they broke up. Right. Like in a bin. Not not that they weren't available. For 10 years, yeah. people c- had the option to buy them at any point. Panther's and,
2: practice space is full of Panther shirts still. If anyone yeah. <laughs> needs multiple designs. I, I, <laughs> I remember always fighting over color. Too. I remember like one point Kip wanted to do... Uh, he he said he wanted it to be the orange that was like the Texas Longhorns orange, and it was like this ochre, like looked like kind of puke. And I was like, yeah. that is going to be a waste I, of he, our money.
0: Now that I think about it, I think after a certain point, we just did one cult like. The yeah,
1: you have one to one because cult, you learn because... from mistakes. But it is always that thing where you you get into arguments with that stuff, and they yeah. you know, and then there's always somebody in the band. This doesn't happen with the label as much because I'm a I'm a compassionate dictator right Um, but the with the band it would happen a lot where you'd have that one person who was just sort of being contrarian yeah and they're like no 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 I want pink we should do pink shirts right we should do pink only XLs pink XLs how awesome would that be to like beefy dudes coming up to buy pink shirts i know and you're In like eerie that's a great idea that sounds amazing it's, yeah i just don't know if it's gonna work it has to be a certain genre to even do and that yeah you do I, it, you, you, they, it's hard when you're they wouldn't settle until two, r- like, well which
2: i am yeah like I, they, the, the, the end of panthers i tried to divvy up power and i let Jay, our singer loved him to death but i let him deal with the shirts on the last tour and like he, it's like he never. Have even.
1: you seen how he dresses?
2: I know. I know. He never even bothered to ask for numbers that were all of a sudden we're getting like American apparel with three color printings. And they were like five the, bucks. Joe's like, no. The irony of this whole thing is that those. Jay
1: Green, for people who don't know, looks like he was an extra in Weekend of Bernie's, too.
0: Yes. Uh, he's a wild ride. <laughs> was, the, the irony of this whole thing is that those sex shirts that were stolen yes. were pink. So, no, yeah, that would so, have been amazing. To, to bring this all full circle, Jeremy, um, yeah. uh, as, a, as a listener of the show, you probably know the question we're about to ask you. <laughs> what do you think of the word
1: gig? gig. <sighs> <laughs> I, I knew this was coming. Um, I actually, this has got to be a thing where as you get older, mm-hmm um, it's one of those telltale signs that you've gotten older. Like maybe the telltale sign as a musician is the gig test. Right. Where like when I the first time I ever heard the term was when I bought my first guitar which was a bass guitar Fender P-bass. Yeah. And they threw in a free gig bag. A oh, gig bag. The classic. And classic. uh it's the gig bag. Yeah is the worst a, phrase yeah. ever
2: it's yeah. like the word panties it might as well be up there with just like gross
1: uh, words it's, it's so funny, like, gross it's bag. such a gross yeah, word yeah. it sounds oh. like it's
0: full of barf it's, it's a gross combination it's of a words, terrible
1: but, yeah. combination and so for years that was my impression of of gig mm-hmm. I was like uh, I can't I can't disassociate it from gig bag right therefore pro yeah therefore I can't use it and then you know go into college and and being active in a touring band, gig became like a joke term. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, let's go play a gig, bro. <laughs> you know, like nobody took it seriously. You couldn't use it unless you were defining somebody that was indefinable otherwise. Right. You're like, you know, a gig, bro. Right. And, <laughs> right. and, uh, and you knew that guy. It was a guy in like cut off shorts with a gig bag, like randomly walking down like the coastline in California <laughs> with his backpacker like, guitar. Yeah. And you're like, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Gig, bro. And uh, I I hated it. Yeah. And then it just becomes this thing for two reasons. I started working with the band Fridge, uh-huh. who are a British band, and the term gig in England is not a weird term. Right. It's a very, very common, like, right. you know, it's I play the this gig. logo.
0: Yeah. Lingo. The logo. It's, <laughs> it's the logo of the It's <laughs> the logo of the UK. Gig. Gig.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it it became more common in my vernacular uh-huh. because I would hear it so much in the van because I was the only United States person right. in the van. You know, everybody or American, else were yeah. Were British. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or United States person. United States person. I'm yeah. Really quickly, I'm. I don't really say American much anymore because my girlfriend is Costa Rican. Oh, and okay. so yeah. we've got, it's it's a pet peeve of hers uh-huh. when people say American just to define the United States. Right. And just, you know, throw the rest of North America under the bus in that sure. one. That's, that's, and that's so I learned lessons here. <laughs> so it's become a habit for me right. to say United States when I mean United States and America when I actually mean the like continent of the of, continent right. of America. The outlying so, areas. Yeah. yeah. Apologies for that, <laughs> um, but yeah. So it became a thing where I would hear it and then realize, like, oh my god, I just, I just said gig, uh-huh. totally unironically in a sentence. And then as I got older, the mix of it becoming common British vernacular and also not caring about anything anymore right. totally took hold. And then I was like, yeah, gig, fine. I, you know, I don't, <laughs> you, I don't. You care. resigned. I don't. You sold care.
2: out. It's cool. That's yeah. I basically, I totally sold out. <laughs> well,
1: However. I never use the term seriously. Right. Unless I am talking to someone British. Right. And I'll use it, to, you know, just because it's easier. Right. But I I do not, to this day, I will say, I have a problem saying concert. Right. Of, of course. I, sure. I, but you're not telling
2: I, Grails they're playing the biggest gig of their lives while you're chomping a cigar.
1: Not enough. <laughs> Look at here, see? Well, the biggest <laughs> concert. That's, uh, yeah, I, I hate it. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, Jeremy, a lot of great, I mean, some, you're a fantastic storyteller. Uh, there's some really <laughs> great stories, some, some worst gigs across the board. I think we can, it's fair to say we've all learned a lot uh, oh, yes. today. I, Jeremy, I don't know how much you've learned, but Jeff and I have learned. Uh, so
1: yeah, and I didn't even get to tell you about the, how I used to make futons for a living.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I think part two, <laughs> knowing that and knowing whatever else you have to do, you know the last thing we want to tell you. Get home. Get home. Get home. I'll do my best. Thank you, buddy. Worst gig ever. 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 ever.